Lord just wants to remind you that his presence is what's so vitally important for you. What was missing from the lives of humanity was companionship and the presence of God. He says, in my presence is the fullness of everything that you need. So remember me during this holiday season. Don't forget me. Remember me. Take my presence everywhere you go. Acknowledge my presence because my presence is what will get you through. All the good times, all the difficult times, it is my presence. And that presence is my present to you during the Christmas season, says the Lord, that I walk the earth looking for people who will invite me in, says the Lord. People who will invite me in. Even those who are blood-bought need to invite me in afresh, says the Spirit. So make time to meet with me. Make time to worship me. Make time to praise me and lift me up in all of your giving, in all of your uh, uh, gathering, in all of your rejoicing with one another. Remember me, says the Lord. And I certainly will remember you, and I will bless you beyond measure. Because my presence is what contains everything that you need and everything that will sustain you, everything that will strengthen you, everything that will heal you, everything that will restore you, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So just something to remind you, amen, something to remind you of what's important and in all of your doing, always make sure the presence of the Lord goes with you. It's important, amen. That's what he died to give us was him, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God, amen. So we're going to continue with um, uh, part two of uh, part one. <laughs> Yeah, like, how do you plead? That's right. That's right. For those of us who are law-abiding, we may not even know what, may not be familiar with that question. Then there are some of us who are a little more familiar with it, so. <laughs> but um, the enemy wants to put take us on illegal perp walks, you know, walk us before the throne. Uh, charging us illegally with sickness and with poverty and with death and, and destruction. And uh, we're not entitled to that because all of those are the penalty for our sin has been paid for. And it's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So when we talk about, we ask the question, how do you plead? Uh, we need to understand, number one, that when sickness comes upon a believer, it is an accusation. Amen. It's an accusation. And it's for anybody who uh, receives atonement through Christ or will use their faith toward God, it becomes an accusation only. Uh, God promised Israel that he would not allow disease to come upon them. Amen. If they would obey him, do what he requires. Now, many people think that means that you can never commit sin again. You can never make mistakes. You can never do things that are are, are harmful to you. But that's not really what that means. That What that means is that 
if you do sin, know that you have an advocate, somebody who goes to bat for you, and not a punisher. Amen. So it says, when he says, when we sin, we have an advocate. Amen. So sin is a transgression of God's law. It just means you broke the law. Amen. Just like when you run a red light and think nobody saw you. You <laughs> you broke the law. Uh, when you slow down at the stop sign and don't quite stop, you broke the law. Amen. Amen. And so when we, we understand what it means to break the law, you also know that if you are brought before uh, the bench, amen, before a judge or, or you're written a ticket or something like that, you have to pay the penalty for your wrongdoing. Well, God says the penalty's been paid. Amen. So when we break the law, we have an advocate. Most people don't go get a lawyer for a traffic ticket. You just go pay. You wind up, you know, some people just are contentious anyway. They want to go to court, challenge everything, good there, start lying. Then you got perjury charges, all kind of stuff stacked up against you. It's sometimes it's just best to pay the fine. But in God's kingdom, you never pay the fine. See, it's never best for you to pay the fine. Amen. Because the fine's been paid already. And you're not helping yourself. You're not glorifying God. You're not doing anything like that by paying fines. You guys need to spread out back there. The distance is. Yeah, Javier, if you can come over here next to Miss. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. That's good. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We still got to keep our social distance now you guys roll together so that's fine with y'all if y'all want to pile up over there but we don't want to get to be super spreaders as they say call people like that thank you brother i appreciate it so so it really when uh god paid for our sins it's all paid for no matter how defeated you feel about the fact that you're still sinning it's still paid for. See, it, it's paid for regardless of how you feel about it. When we add our judgment to God's law, we just compound things. Just make it worse for ourselves. Because you start digging a pit for yourself that you can't get out of. When you start thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that. and God never want me back. And God, I'm so embarrassed. Uh, you know, all that. When you, you get finished pounding yourself and beating yourself up you still got to accept his forgiveness in order to let me tell you what what sin on your soul does for you it begins to burden you so that you start carrying this dead body around with you everywhere you go and imagine having extra weight you know what I'm saying. I mean, some of us weigh less than others. Some of us are perfect for our height. You know what I'm saying. But but sometimes people get to the point now. If you're used to being, you know, like a normal size or regular size, and you start to put on weight, you start to notice, man, I'm a little short of breath here. I'm, you know, I I could use a little. You know what I'm saying. Well, imagine if if you go through life with that on you every day, 
And see, that's why Jesus died, because our souls were not constructed to carry that extra burden. See, the human soul is not made to carry sin. It's made to live in harmony with God and to live carefree, to live in joy, to live in peace, to live in all of the things. All of the fruit of the Spirit is what we're called to live in, period. So that's why Jesus went to the cross to pay for that so we could live the way God wants us to live. And your you're not feeling like you deserve it is not going to change how God feels about that. See, you're not doing yourself or God any favors by walking around with guilt, walking around feeling you don't deserve something, walking around. You know, now we think in our little carnal minds, we think we're being like, you know, uh, sacrificing and, and, you know, humble and all this kind of stuff. But really what you're saying, you're exalting yourself above God. Because you're saying, I don't deserve this and I'm not going to receive it. Got me? Well, how did you receive salvation? That was your first taste of forgiveness. You humbled yourself and you received it. It's the same way after you're saved and you keep screwing up. You can confess, be forgiven. And walk free. And see, mark that how you felt bad about that. And let that be a sign to you not to go there anymore. See, that's what I tell people. If you really feel bad about that, let that help you remember to be careful in those areas of your life. You know, and not be casual and not be. Because see, pretty soon people get tired of confessing. And they get tired of feeling guilty and they just fall back into, well, what, what, what difference does it make? Then you start finding those Christians that'll tell you it's okay, everybody does it. We fall down, but we get up. You understand what I'm saying? If, if the atonement and the beating Jesus took lead you to fall down and get up, then you're missing something. Or either he he got duped, he was the most foolish person on earth to take a beating for something you can just fall down in and get up from. As though nothing happened to you. A saint is just a sinner who fell down and get up, got up. What about the blood? You don't get up on your own. If you do, you're fooling yourself. It's like Samson. He would lie down with harlots, get up and shake himself, and and his strength would come back again. But one day it didn't. Caught up with him. That's for everybody who thinks you just fall down and get up. No, a saint is somebody who's been blood-bought, who's been washed clean in the blood of a sinless lamb, who qualified 
as the only one capable of paying for the sin of the world. He paid for you. So you don't do this on your own. Get real. I don't care how famous the people are to say this stuff. They're crazy. They need to go read their Bible. If you think Jesus led a life at a lower level than he was entitled to for 33 years, sacrificed, taught humanity, was scorned, ridiculed, mocked, chased out of town, threatened to murder him, amen, and went through all that rejection and ridicule just so you can say you're just a sinner who fell down and got up. I'm going to move on because, see, I get mad enough that people won't go strangle somebody. For... How dare you make workers and try to pastor a church if that's what you think you're doing in your Christian walk? So it took the blood of a sinless man to pay for the sins of all mankind once and for all and forever. Jesus had to, had to pass the scrutiny of his father as the one who inspected his life, inspected his obedience, inspected everything about him. When, when people offered animals for sacrifice, they were inspected by the high priest for three days. At least they said they did. Amen. Now, in in the time where Jesus came, the priesthood was so corrupted, they would sell what they considered to be perfect animals to the people. Now, if you're a, a, a farmer and, and, you know, you raise your sheep and you take the best one from your flock, you bring it to the priest as a sacrifice to pay for your sin, you you expect it to pass inspection because from your heart you did the right thing. God has a way of looking at your heart above man's scrutiny. But oftentimes the priest would tell him, oh, you got a defect here. This one doesn't qualify. I got a nice one over here I'll sell you. for." That's why Jesus took a whip and drove everybody out there. He said, you're a den of thieves. So you're stealing from these people. They're bringing the best of their flock in here, which qualifies in the Father's eyes. And you're telling them it's not good enough. So in order to put an end to all of that, God decided, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send the perfect sacrifice down there that will end the whole animal sacrifice thing because it's become a joke to the people I put down there to minister over it. Huh? When your ministers and leaders make a joke out of your best. Well, God will do something, folks. His ministers are answerable to him. That's why we don't make fun of people that don't tithe. That's that's between you and God. That's your business. You understand what I'm saying? We don't set the amounts anyway. The Bible does. Who am I to step in there and tell you something's not adequate? 
when he says my grace is sufficient for you whatever you have the grace to do that's sufficient as far as god's concerned you understand what i'm saying he's not going to send you to the poor house because you 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 didn't make a tenth You know, we ought to be glad some of these preachers ain't God. I don't know how I got up on preachers today, but. You mean a merciful God can save you as bad as some of us were? And we were all bad. You understand? what? He can shed his blood and save you, and now all of a sudden you do the best in your offering, and that's not good enough? The key word, do your best. Give as you purpose in your heart. That's what the Bible tells you to do. If you're stingy and fearful, <laughs> you're just stingy and fearful. I've been there. You know, I don't try to, to, you know, act like one who is perfect, never struggle. I struggle just like everybody else does. But finally, through my struggling, I learned how to trust God. Amen. He taught me how to trust him. And it's only because of the shed blood are we able to do these things. The obedience that we're able to accomplish is because of what he did for us. He moved the hard part out of the way. Amen. And that is the burden of your sin. Burdens will cause you to give up quickly. They will. So God unburdens us. He said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. I'm the one who gives you the easy way to go in the light yoke. I'm not the one that gives you the hard way. Amen. And so God wants, he died to give everybody the easy burden in the light yoke. Why? Because the blood paid for the penalty for your sin. Penalty means anything that comes against you that makes life hard for you. Jesus paid that. He paid so that you can be unburdened in that area of your life. So we talked about the fact that when the devil accuses us, we have to overcome his accusation. Just as if you went to somebody sued you in court and you feel like they are not entitled to what they're suing you for. You have to answer that. You have to go to court and say not guilty got to hire a lawyer you have to do what you have to do they have to prepare papers you don't know how to do that so you got to hire somebody who knows how to do all that stuff well jesus knows how to maneuver us through the law of god that's why he's our advocate in other words you have i don't care how guilty you are you have somebody who goes to bat for you to establish your innocence again See, you don't, you don't have to worry that you're guilty. Because he's paid for it already. He will go to bat for you even though you're guilty. Now, do we take advantage of that? Absolutely not. If God's smart enough to devise a plan to pull you out of the devil's hands when the devil thought he had you, then he's smart enough to not let you take advantage. Amen. You know, many times people will will uh, you know they're doing wrong, and then get comfortable in it. And just as sure as they get comfortable, 
the rug falls out from under them. They realize that as you sow, God is not mocked. As you sow, you reap. You can't make fun of his law. You can't say, look at what I'm getting away with. Huh? (laughs) Keep trying to cover up, you know. It's best to confess and to try to cover up. Because that rug will be snatched out from under you and boom. Amen. So we're not so foolish as to think we're getting away with anything. Amen. Always stay sincere with God. So we said that when the enemy gives us symptoms, we don't have disease. You either believe God's word or you don't. It's easier to fight the devil on the symptom level because Jesus has already fought him on the disease level. Amen. The Bible says that he spoiled principalities and powers. Which means that he took the authority that they have to legitimately put disease on you. Well then what's wrong with me? I just told you got symptoms. You don't have disease. See, we have no power to fight disease. That's why he went to the cross. I'm going to say it again. You have no power to fight disease. People say, so-and-so beat cancer. Then it comes back again five years later. Because you keep watching. You do. Keep going back, taking tests, all that stuff. So you don't beat nothing. You got nothing to beat cancer with. But Jesus does. See, he beat disease for us. Because he spoiled, which means he stripped everything away from the devil. Principalities and powers and names. He took everything away from the devil. So when you get the symptoms, that's all you have. You do not have disease. Now, I don't care. You can go to the doctor if you want to and ask them what that is and let them give you a name, but that doesn't belong to you. And you're going to have to come out from under it in order to get rid of it. You're going to have to believe God in order to get rid of it. God does not give the devil permission to put disease on his children. And that's the only way you can have disease is God give the devil permission to put it back on you once he's taken it off of you. But what do I have? I don't, I don't know what you want to call it, but i tell you one thing. You need to call yourself healed and get it over with. Huh? And just fight your crazy brain because your brain is going to say, what you mean you heal? You mean to tell me we healed and you got all this going on? Why are you going to the doctor? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing mm. so You're going to have to fight that thing with the word until it leaves you alone. And all you believe is the word. 
once you believe the word, the battle gets easier. Then the symptoms have to go. Amen. Huh? Lord, I thank you. You said none of these diseases would you put on us, and I do not have this disease because I am healed by your stripes. And I receive my healing. I'm not going to confess from this day forward, Lord. I'm not confessing I have nothing but your stripes. And I am healed. Your blood paid for it. I receive it. And I'm not taking this nonsense from the devil. And devil, I'm telling you, you take these symptoms off of me. Because I am healed. And then you go about acting like a healed person. Doing things that heal people do. And continue to feed on the word of God. Take your medicine of the word of God. So you've been put on a different regimen. You've been put on the medicine of the word. And keep letting that word sink in. And those symptoms must. I said must. I said must. Must leave. They must leave. Because they have no authority to stay. Amen. So they must leave. When? When you start believing you receive. I can't tell you when. And I'm going to tell you one thing. If you're concerned about when, when ain't going to be right today. (laughs) You need to get to a place where you're beyond time. Because when you're beyond time, you're in eternity. And that's where God lives. Amen. So get yourself beyond time. Don't sit up and worry about how many days it's been, how many months it's been, how many years it's been. Amen? Get yourself beyond time and get yourself in the place of faith because you're healed right now by his stripes. Isn't that right, Ms. Donna? You made up your mind you were healed. Amen? And you're healed. Amen? That's all it takes. Make up your mind. Would you quit going back and forth? Quit halting between two opinions. Amen. <laughs> Understand what God has done for you. Start focusing on everything that God has done. Amen. So we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. By his stripes I'm healed. Amen. Amen. And by the power of blood I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. And I am healed by his stripes. So we have to apply the blood with full faith and confidence to stand on the blood alone. Amen. Not the blood and. The blood period. Amen. You see Jesus. Nobody came to Jesus and he told him, oh, let me touch you and then go home and take these vitamins. Nothing wrong with vitamins. You understand what I'm saying? But you don't add that to the word. Be careful with your add to's. Huh? I'm telling you, some of these people have you with a bucket full of so many supplements you can't swallow them all. Amen. Oh, you gotta have this and this is for your brain and, huh? <laughs> We got one pill we take, and that's the word of God. Amen. That takes care of everything. So in order for our healing to be valid, Jesus had to die and shed his blood. 
and then spread his blood, apply his blood to the mercy seat in heaven and secure eternal redemption for us. Eternal, that means it never stops. God never stops healing us. Amen. You're, you're healed every time you receive the word. Every time you hear the word, every time you say yes and amen to the word, you, you're receiving healing. You're receiving healing you don't know you need. <laughs> amen. Because this word continually heals us. You know, you, you work around worldly people, you work around people that uh, don't believe, you work around people that cuss and sinners and all that kind of stuff. You don't think that damages your soul? You know, if you if you have to focus on it any length of time, it disturbs you. Well, you need to be healed from that dis-ease. Amen? They put you in a sense of lack of ease. So you go home and you say, God, I'm going to forgive them people. I said, them some rough people, but I forgive them, Lord. I don't hold nothing against them. And I was rough like that myself one time. And I thank you, Lord, for saving me, cleaning up my life, cleaning up my mouth, cleaning up everything. Amen. Amen. And and But receive your healing. Allow the word to come in and start to reconvert your soul from the damage you got through all of that warfare, mental warfare you go through just to make a living every day. And so we have to understand that when we meditate on the word, we receive the word by hearing, we hold on to it through meditation. Meditation cleanses our souls, restores our souls. Restores to what? Like new, before you even sinned. What were you like before? sin met you you were in the garden with god so he restores your soul whole like it was when he walked with adam every day amen and so we want to stay in that restored place and so that's why we adopt the word as our medicine amen and our health the bible says the word is medicine and health to all of our flesh So blood is applied to the mercy seat in heaven. And that's where Jesus ministers over our lives. The Bible says he's the high priest over our profession or our confession. So nothing happens in your life that doesn't pass through the throne, that doesn't pass through the the, the scrutiny of Jesus. And he is there to go to bat for us. Amen. So mercy is applied to the law of God. The Bible says his mercy endures forever. You know, you ever done something you know was 100% wrong while you were doing it and you did it anyway. And then you got in trouble and God reversed it almost immediately for you. See, that's extreme mercy, folks. And you think to yourself, there's no way in the world this should have happened to me and turned out this way. Except God is merciful. Amen. 
He's merciful. I think sometimes those things reverse like that. You know when something reverses and you was looking for something bad and it turned out excellent? It puts such a shock in you. I think that leaves an imprint on your soul. And you say to yourself, you know what, I don't ever want to go back like that again. See, that becomes a marker for you to to let you know that that place you visited was 100% off limits. And you don't fool around and play around with it anymore. See, that's when wisdom starts to take over. Uh See, the unwise person will start to snicker and, and joke like he got away with something. And there are Christians like that. They get caught all the time, though. Those are the ones that get caught with a live man in the bed with them. They, they say politicians say two things you don't want to be caught with. There's a dead woman and a live man in the bed with you. And lose their ministry. Lose their reputation. Lose everything they because they mocked God. They thought they could mock God and get away with something. But see, the wise person will mark that thing and say, you know what, God? Don't ever let me go to that place again. Because I know I don't deserve to be forgiven. I know I don't deserve to have gotten free from that. So look at it in the way of extreme mercy because that's what God gives us. Amen. But he will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. So the Father is the judge of all and is seated on the throne of heaven. Jesus is seated at his right hand. And the right hand is a place of strength. The right hand is a place of counsel. The right hand is a place of might. So the Father will ask Jesus, well, what do you think about the Father? This one is blood-bought. Let's apply mercy and let's give him another chance. Amen. Let's build them up and strengthen them so they don't have to go this route again. Amen. That's how we get better. We get better because the blood has paid for us to receive God's extreme mercy. So Jesus went into the throne of heaven with his own blood and applied it to the mercy seat at the altar. And, and that's where the hearts of men are judged. Sometimes we don't know our own heart. Amen. You can have a pure heart and a goofed up head, but you let that head stay goofed up for too long and then it changes your heart. You start to get hardened. You got to start to want to get retaliate and all that kind of stuff. Amen. And so, you know, you can, you can start out on the right road, but let your brain get fed with too much evil and wickedness. And evil thoughts. Well, they, they look at what they're doing to me and they I ain't getting away with this. I'm not letting, I'm not no doormat. And I see when you start thinking and talking like that, you're on the wrong road already. Amen. You need to repent. Say, God, please help me. If this ain't right, I don't even feel right thinking like this. Amen. You want to live in harmony with God. It's worth it. So the accuser of the brethren wants to make us feel responsible to pay the penalty for our sins. Amen. He wants us to feel responsible 
to pay the penalty. And we said that comes in many forms. Sometimes it will come in, or just sometimes the enemy will remind you that if you did drugs before you got saved, he'll remind you, oh, the reason you can't do this now, you got this disease, all them drugs you took. Well, them drugs don't exist anymore in the court of heaven. It's been atoned for. It's been paid for. You don't pay for any. I don't care what you did. I said, I don't care what you did. You don't pay for that. Now, your mind may think you should. And the devil definitely wants you to think you should. But until you agree with that, the penalty belongs to you. It's been paid for. Now, you can get crazy and sit up and listen to that and feel sorry for yourself. I don't know what I'm going to do. I did so much wrong in my life. You need to get in your Bible. Find out what really belongs to you. So in order for us to get free of the accusation, you have to enter a plea. You can't let thoughts of punishment hang around your brain. And think it's not going to affect you. Know how we like to you psych yourself out? Like you really healed. And you just ignore it. Or you say, oh, that don't belong to me. No, you got to go by way of the blood. Amen? You got to enter a plea of the blood. Which means that you go to the throne of God. And you tell God, you know, I'm sorry I know I keep repeating this. I'm sorry because I did all this wrong in my life. But here I am again reminding you that I confessed that I don't want it on my soul anymore. And I'm thanking you for paying that for me. Thank him for the blood. Confess your sins. Thank him for the blood that pays for it. And little by little, your conscience comes to a place where you don't think that anymore. Where it doesn't bother you as much. The blood eraser gets applied. And little by little, your soul gets lifted. It's not burdened anymore. God wants you to to be able to work for him. And do the work without feeling like, you know, a hockey puck. You know, I mean, seriously. Going around feeling, and see what happens to people, you keep feeling bad about your wrong, your past wrongs, instead of getting them out of the way. If you, if you don't feel that you're forgiven, if you don't know that you are cleansed, which means that, that it's not on you anymore, but sometimes people cling to that old guilt, that old, for some reason we feel better if we don't feel good when we've done wrong. Which is real twisted, but that's about everybody that I've ever known. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You feel like a thief when you can go scot-free when you've done wrong. So you have to get used to, you have to get sober. You know, allow God a time to sober you up and get you to think the right way about these things. And the way you can feel good about that is to stay in a, a mentality of being thankful to God. Just be thankful, not for something, but thankful, period. You know, a blanket Thanksgiving. Keep Thanksgiving in your heart and on your lips. And that keeps evil away from you. It keeps the recollection of evil at a minimum. 
It keeps you feeling cleansed. It it keeps you unburdened from sin. Whether you did it, somebody else did it. And oh boy, the victims. I don't want to go there today, okay? But we got so many victims out here. Oh, they did that to me. Well, that's still on your soul. You keep thinking about it. Now, if you feel better thinking about all the wrong that was done to you all your life, I'll pray for you after this service is over so we can get that spirit off of you. Because that's a wicked and a perverse spirit. It's a spirit of martyrdom. That you don't you don't get martyred because people do you wrong. That's not a badge of of accomplishment. It's a perverse spirit that's twisting the meaning of certain things in your life. And God's been trying to get you to confess it, get it out of your head so that you can live a carefree life, but you keep grabbing it and holding on to it. And that thing needs to be banished from your life. Cupcake. They don't do me right. Uh-huh. Well, seriously now, come on, y'all. This this stuff needs to go so you can live the life God wants you to live. Because it becomes a weight and a burden that will get in your way every time you want to walk in the Spirit and do great things for God. It'll There'll be something there to trip you up every single time. You want to do good things for people. And that thing will say, well, you better not do too much. They, they'll walk all over you. People, they don't, they, they'll think that kindness is weakness. That's a church slogan, folks. That don't come from the world. Don't mistake my meekness for weakness. Number one, somebody say something crazy like that ain't meek. Huh? crazy not as meek as you need to be so when the when the enemy accuses us you have to enter a plea you can't just ignore symptoms you can't ignore things that go wrong in your life you have to address them we talked yesterday about the children of israel they began to murmur and complain against Moses what's new. Amen. So they murmured and complained and they started their confession began to draw the enemy's environment to them. Do you hear what I said? It was true then, it's true now. Your confession of evil begins to draw the enemy's environment of evil toward you. And fiery serpents began to bite them and poison them, and they died. And the people started seeing that they were being overcome by these snakes. And they went to Moses, as usual, apologizing. We did wrong. You knew you was doing wrong when you opened your mouth. But now that the snakes then showed up, now you want to deal with it. Should I say it again? You knew it was wrong when you shot your mouth off. But now that the snakes have shown up, you know it's wrong. How come you didn't correct it when it was coming out of your mouth? 
or before it came out of your mouth. But, you know, people live like this. Wondering how long they're going to be able to have a raggedy confession (laughs) and fight the will of God. Amen. The will of God is for your health. He's, his will is for you to speak health and speak his word and speak things over your life you want to see come to pass. And not to wait until something negative happens before you realize you need to correct something. Because you got the Holy Ghost living in you. He's been telling you all along. Watch your words. Cut it out. Speak the word. If you want the word, speak the word. Amen. So when the fiery serpents came, what did God tell Moses to do? He said, make a serpent out of brass, hold it up, and command the people to look at it. All the ones that are being bitten, make them look at it. Amen. Now, why was that? What's, what's with looking at it? And when they looked at it, they were healed. It's called um, examine yourself. That's what God tells us to do all the time. Examine yourself and judge yourself. If things are happening in your life that don't line up with the word of God, examine yourself. And they would look up and say, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I've been murmuring against God and against Moses. Lord, I'm sorry. And when they looked at their sin held up high like that, they were healed. It works now. We have a better covenant. It definitely works now. You got sickness that lingers? Examine yourself. Now, most people aren't in that basket of of continual, you know, but sometimes we revisit these areas. You know, you do good for a while, not not saying anything that you don't want to see happen or blessing people or not or not whatever you know and then sometimes it catches up with you, you realize god i haven't really come to you in humility and forgiveness in a long time i need to do that i need to do that you need to stay close to god to stay healed he wanted them to walk with him so that he can continually heal and bless them amen and so so when we examine ourselves that's a a place of of pleading the blood you got me see if they i don't know about you but i'm when i'm in trouble that's the first thing i think what did i how'd i get here whatever what what what, what? <laughs> i mean if you don't you know whatever works for you if it works for you but i'm gonna tell you it works better if you humble yourself and examine yourself Sometimes, you know, for saints, sometimes our biggest sin is unbelief. You know, sometimes you can think God will give you something to do. Or or you'll hear something preached. And instead of embracing it and rejoicing over it, you automatically do a thumbs down to it. I don't want that. No, that, that, ain't, that ain't what I want. I want... 
now you replace God. Why do you think God has preachers? You, you're assigned to come to this church on a regular basis, and what we preach is for you every time we sit here. You got me? <laughs> it's all for everybody. It's for the preacher too. Amen? But you can't take a thumbs down to stuff just because you, well, well, no, you know, well, I don't know if I want all of that. First thing, well, see, you know what? It, it, number one, in order to receive it, you'd have to humble yourself and be willing to change. Instead of resisting God. You don't know what God has planned for your life. You don't know where you'll be. James said a year from now. He said, don't don't sit up and plan and say, you know, this five years from now, next year. That's what he said. You, you don't know what God is going to require of you in a year. We're not to judge the word, folks. We're to humble ourselves to it and receive. The Bible says receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Amen. Every word you hear, you should be willing to embrace it. Say, God, I want that. I don't know where I'm going in life, but I want that because it's it's something that's being preached and it's something that I need to be able to understand. Amen. When you plead the blood, you receive God's remedy for your situation. And that's what you want. You don't want anything else but God's remedy. Amen. When when the blood is applied, then God's whole covenant is opened up to you. Amen. You have his covenant of peace. You have his covenant of prosperity, which means everything you set your hands to will prosper. Amen. Now, you can't claim wealth from God and you don't work. Hey! I like this guy. Huh? And let me say this while I'm at it. You don't receive a word from a prophet that don't work. Because they got to have prosperity in them in order to prosper you. Am I right, Poppy? Now, I'm not condemning ministers who are in full-time ministry. That's not what I'm talking about, unless it applies. Huh? But I can't teach you anything about prospering if if I don't work. Huh? Now, y'all might think I don't do a whole lot, you know, but I'll be hitting at it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm fully employed by God. Listen, there have been times it's been real tempting to go back and, well, you know, I can't show up at the hospitals no more. Probably got my name on some posters somewhere. You know what I'm talking about. But there, I'm, uh, 
you know, it might get a little tempting. You get a little shot sometimes. You think, oh, well, you know, but I, those thoughts left me many years ago. You know what I'm saying? Because I have to be available, you know what I'm saying, to God for whatever he requires. You know, you just, you don't have the luxury of filling up all your hours with stuff you want to do. You know. But, but you got to work at something, you know, study and prayer and writing and, and things like that. You know, that kind of stuff is, is what I'm talking about. And do the ministry that God has called you to do. You, you, you've got to be working. Amen? People who don't work are lying to themselves, telling themselves that they're prospering. And they're expecting God to, to bless them financially. Huh? I mean, seriously. And see, you know, it's like men in this day and age, men sometimes get the impression that because their wife has got a job, you know, they can kind of limp around a little bit. But he got to pull, pull, you know, pull his full weight. I don't care what she doing, what she doing, or what she doing. But God has got something for you to do, huh? You know, some of them think you ain't paying attention. Now let me just park here for a minute and talk to some of these brothers out there. Don't halfway work and float a cash app on there. I'm thinking, well, what are you doing? Oh, you know what? We had two income houses. No, 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 no. Give me that two income household. I said, what you doing? The first thing God gave Adam was a job. He wasn't just into God. I mean, everything that he wanted was on the tree and he didn't have to plant it. It was there already, but he had to work to get it off of there. And told him to take care of that garden. Next thing you know, his wife then got snake bit. I won't go there. Poppy, don't let me go there, okay? Just get the, the whip in the chair. I'll say, back, girl, back. Because <laughs> I will go. Nah, your brother try to slide in there and you, you be hitting it, you know, five days a week, eight hours, and he's still sitting up there. Don't do that. Don't do that. He moved the muscle. Tell me he he looking he taking care of the kids. No, we get a babysitter. You know, you get a job. Get a job, we can buy a babysitter. My goodness. Run that weak stuff over <laughs> Two income household. Cause everybody else got the wife and the husband working. He slide under there, he ain't got nowhere. And he, well yeah, we a two income household, but you ain't gone nowhere. 
Tell me you blessed. Thief. I'm sorry, y'all. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Okay. (laughs) But your words are a reflection of what's in your heart. See, when Israel began to murmur and complain against God and against Moses, God brought me here to let me die. Huh? Anybody ever thought since they've been a Christian it's been too hard for them? Huh? Go back in the world and see how hard it is. Huh? Right. See, when your heart is overcome with selfishness, you'll begin to criticize, murmur, even the good things that God puts in your life. Sometimes that's why he he commands us to hold on to our faith for a prolonged period of time. Just to get all the criticism out of us, all the negative stuff, you know, and let faith totally take over. So you won't curse what he blesses you with. See, God can bring a blessing to you, and if you're in a bad mood all the time, you won't consider it a blessing. It'll never be good enough for you. Huh? Well, I'm, you know, i just going to get me a Mercedes. You don't even know how to spell it. Huh? So God provides everything for us in the atonement. Amen. Murmuring, complaining will have to cease if you're going to walk in harmony with God. You're going to have to renew your mind. Because what's in your mind is really what winds up in your heart and comes out of your mouth. Amen. So you're going to have to spend some time in your Bible correcting yourself. Huh? Oh, I can't say this no more. Oh, wow. I didn't. You know, I'm going to quit that. You understand? Correcting yourself. Understanding that that word is there to teach you how to live. When you learn the right way, then life will start to be drawn to you. Everything that pertains to life will come your way. Amen? Your words are a reflection of your heart. The fiery serpents that he sent to Israel were were the fruit of their words. Amen. And so they were able to confront the fruit of their words so that they could be healed. And we can do the same thing. Amen. We confront sickness. We confront symptoms. We confront everything that's evil with the word of God. And we receive the benefit of God's word. Amen. We receive physical strength and power to confront the enemy that's provided in the atonement. So everything that you need is provided already in God's word. Amen. Um, let me see. Where do I want to turn here? I think it's, let me think of it in Mark. Mark chapter 5. We'll go there. We'll talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5. 
And I think in verse, yeah, 21, it said, when Jesus was passed over again by ship to the other side, many people gathered to him. He was near the sea, and behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet, besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I'm praying you, I'm asking you, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. So this is a statement of faith. There's nothing wrong with this man's faith. Amen. He's already decided that he's going to ask Jesus humbly and respectfully, come and lay hands on his daughter, and he knows she will live. Jesus went with him. So he, Jesus doesn't accompany anybody who's not in faith. Amen. So this man's faith was working for him. And many people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, was not better, but grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. And it's it's not saying she heard about him that day right away and then jumped on him. She had heard about him and heard about him and heard about him. And she made a decision about him. Because she said, if I can but touch his clothes, I will be whole. Straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And that Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned around. In the press and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, you see the people pushing you and everybody's touching you. And you asking who touched you? And he looked around and saw her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now, this woman pled her case before doctors for over 18 years and never got better. She just got worse. So pleading your case demand is not your answer. Amen. She didn't get better. And she all the time had a covenant of health with God. It would have been something different if she were a sinner or a Gentile and didn't know the Lord. But she's got a covenant that covers her health. It's like having a good health insurance policy if that's the route you got to go. And you keep trying to go to the free clinic or something crazy. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to go there. If you got coverage, go where your coverage is. You got better coverage. So apparently the priest rejected her for as long as she bled she could not go out in public she was considered to be ceremonially unclean she could not go to the temple she could not go anywhere but she heard about a new lawyer in town amen who was merciful and powerful he was loving and kind he was approachable so she put her faith in him And she entered a new plea. Amen. Instead of pleading her case before man again, she, she pleaded, she began to plead her case before the throne of heaven. And one day the Holy Spirit told her, go and touch his hem and you will be whole. 
And she held on to that until she got to the place where Jesus was. She said within herself, if I can just touch him, I will be whole. We need to make up our minds of what we can do or how we can touch the power of God so that we can be made whole. When you get prayer, you need to believe God that that that's the end of the sickness, period. Not that you're going to feel better only, but you're going to get rid of the stupid thing. Amen? Because it doesn't belong to you. It's up to us what we say inside ourselves is what we're going to get. Amen? Never come to the altar of God with no plan in your head. When you come up, you come up to get rid of the thing. Amen? Amen. And God will accommodate you. You need to know that the shawl on his on the fringes of his garment symbolized the word of God that covered them in covenant. So the high priest wore uh, uh, tassels on the ends of his shawl that represented the word of God and represented the covenant of God. And so she felt that if she could touch God in covenant, she would be made whole. And she couldn't do it through the priesthood because the priest would have rejected her. But she, faith told her this man had a different kind of way of ministry. He was one who would, would accommodate everybody. She saw sinners get healed. She saw saints get healed. She saw everybody who came to him got healed. And so she decided that that included her as well. Amen. So this was given freely to all the shawl of the priest always represents authority in god's kingdom amen the mantle or cloak is the symbol of authority in the prophet's office so she decided that she had permission to touch because of grace which came through faith so inside of her she got like the green light that you could do this where for 18 years, what was it, 12 or 18 years, she'd gone to, to doctors because she never got the green light from God. But here Jesus appears and all of a sudden this whole new possibility opens up to her. And she decides she's going to go for it. If I don't get there, I don't get there, but I won't know if I don't try. Amen. And she decides why. Because the blood begins to speak to her that this belongs to her. See, the blood speaks better things. The blood doesn't talk about your sin. The blood doesn't talk about your shortcomings. It didn't talk about the fact that you did this wrong or you did that wrong. The blood speaks that you are forgiven, that you're a new creature, that you're healed, that you're saved, that you're prosperous. It speaks all of those things. Amen? When Israel received the blood of the Passover... In Exodus 12, why don't you turn there? I don't know if I did this yesterday or not. It's one of the <laughs> one of the difficulties of part two. Amen. Exodus 12, and I think it's verse seven. It says, "And and the Lord is be, is preparing Israel to go over into the land that He's promised them. This is this is." Our salvation, picture of crossing the Red Sea, is a picture of us coming from sin to righteousness. Amen. And he says here, he's preparing them for this. 
and and um verse 3 speak you unto the congregation of israel saying in the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers a lamb for a house if the household is too little for the lamb let him and his neighbor next door to his house take it according to the number of souls every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year shall take it from the sheet or from the goats keep it up until the 14th day of the same month set it apart from the flock anything you set apart is holy and consecrated to the lord following instructions is very important to god so he has him consecrate that lamb and examine it for 14 days and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses where wherein they eat it. So you go inside the house, you lock yourself in there, and you eat this Passover meal. They shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, with bitter herbs, don't eat it raw. In other words, don't cook it the way you like it. Cook it the way it's instructed to be cooked. Let nothing of it remain until morning. In other words, consume that whole lamb and don't stay, save anything for yourself. He says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and I will kill the firstborn of everyone in the land of Egypt. But when I see the blood, I will pass over your house. In other words, if you're obedient to me and you do what I tell you to do, I see the blood and I pass over you with illness. I pass over you with death. I pass over you with poverty. I pass over with any kind of punishment for your sin when I see that I must see that blood. Amen. And so Israel did as the Lord instructed. Then they took of the blood and poured it out. And they ate of the lamb. So remember when Jesus preached, he said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have nothing to do with me. And the Bible says many people left him when he preached that. He was alluding to this. He was trying to get them to remember, I'm the same lamb that I've been having you kill every year. You've got to partake of me in order to receive eternal life. And you see, they say a lot of people left because they didn't understand. They have A lot of people follow Jesus, had no idea why they follow him. They're just going along with the crowd. They heard he could do this and heard he could do that. and heard They were thinking about what he could do for them in the natural and not relating it to anything that they needed spiritually for themselves. It's the same now. We got a lot of people. They they want to go to the newest church in town, the church that's on television. You know, if you look at some of them camera shots, you look at some of them people, at some of them, them you know, like Joyce Meyer people. You say, wait a minute, that lady been coming there for at least 20 years. She ought to be preaching herself by now. You understand what I'm saying? People coming over and over and over again, they don't grow. They don't get up and do much for God. They don't mature. Amen. They're just in the crowd. 
you don't want to be just in the crowd you want to know when you partake of his body and partake of his blood you have his life in you now amen and so he was alluding for the jews to understand hey wait a minute now wait a minute we do that every year don't tell me this man is the messiah in the next minute they're saying crucify him you got me see we can put to death a lot of things that are good for us because we don't think it's what we want but god knows our need he's given you what you need not what you want amen the fact that god had unleavened bread and bitter herbs with that meal meant it wasn't mcdonald's amen this was a sanctified and a holy meal ain't no happy meal amen you ain't gonna get happy off okay i guess you ain't gonna get happy off this because ain't no fries in it and you don't get no shake with it ain't no coupon for you to come back again it's just straight up what god says you need amen and so everything god prescribes is for a reason amen ezekiel 35 6 shows where the blood pursues us if it's shed illegally the shedding of innocent blood caused the blood that of the innocent person to speak vengeance and that blood pursues you ever have people finally show up and and confess to a murder because they couldn't stand the guilt anymore the blood has been talking to them the blood of that murdered person has spoken to them whoever sheds blood by his own hand shall blood be shed amen to his blood shall be shed god considers murdering a human being as an attempt on his life he said because man is made in my image i consider it you trying to kill me when you kill man see what i'm saying it's very powerful as far as god is concerned it's very serious for him moses sprinkled blood on the people and they saw god anytime you plead the blood and appropriate the blood over your sin and over your mind and over your body you begin to see god more clearly amen the blood is your friend that's why a lot of times you see people when they're trying to move away from god quit singing songs about the blood the uh, mainline denominations used to have some of those older songs where they appreciate the blood of jesus and sang to remind themselves of it they start removing them from the hymnals they said it disturbed people you think that disturbs you you try living without the power of the blood in your life you're gonna really be disturbed amen jesus by his own blood entered the holy place holiness follows the application of the blood of jesus amen the blood settles all differences that's why when god when somebody offends you god tells you forgive them in other words apply the blood pretty soon you forget about it where you used to stew about it forever couldn't wait till you see them so you can tell them off amen now all of a sudden you have peace why his blood did that you couldn't do that on you didn't just work to you know that ain't you honey you is the one that want to go cuss cuss somebody out because they made you mad amen your conscience becomes purged so that it doesn't trouble you about any kind of your sin anybody else's sin amen 
So, so his blood leaves no business unfinished. It takes care of everything. If we'll let that work for us, we'll be the most complete, happy people. No disagreements, no disturbances, no enemies, no revenge thoughts, no self-pity, no victimhood, none of that stuff. The blood paid for all of that. Amen? Pay for all of that. It doesn't matter what was done to you. You need to let it go. So you can, you're a new creature. That person that that happened to does not exist anymore. Quit resurrecting the dead. Amen. (laughs) All right. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the application of your word and your blood that cleanses us, makes us whole and new. So, Father, we thank you for what you've been doing with us. You have kept us healed, and we're so thankful for it. So let's do our confession. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Father, that by the stripes of your son, Jesus, we are healed. All right, amen, amen, and amen. It's so decreed, amen. Praise God, praise God.